Welcome to Pick Up Your Sticks, where we talk about why gaming matters, with your hosts, Brett Lindley and Walker Neer. I'm Brett, and today we normally start out with why gaming matters, but this week we'd like to take a bit of time to talk about Black Lives Matter. We also talk about a plethora of isometric and top-down titles, and ways to gamify skill trees and inventory management. We also touch on Walker's Tales from the Borderlands as he gets back into Borderlands 3 for some of the new DLCs and tries out the new Mayhem mode enhancements. Hey, Walker. What's got you picking up your sticks this week? Hey, what's up, Brad? Um, so I actually do have some good gaming stories from the week. Um, however, you and I had kind of chatted before we started recording um, about how we think it's important to, to really acknowledge the, the response of the gaming industry to um, the moment that our country finds itself in right now with Black Lives Matter and the racial protests that are going on and our... Um, Racial protest probably isn't the best way to say it, but <laughs> the protests about racial inequality and injustice right. in America. Um, it's something that both you and I um, feel pretty strongly about. And um, I don't know, something that, you know, is, is you and I have debated many times about whether or not different issues are social justice warrior things or, or something like that. But I think when it comes to this this subject specifically, um, there's no debate whatsoever. We've been in alignment the whole time. And I was just personally really encouraged to see a wide variety of companies in gaming come out very uh, forthright with their support of Black Lives Matter and the protests and the support of the change that I think we're seeing at least being initiated right now and that we, we think uh, needs to, to happen in the country. Um, examples I saw, PC Gamer put out a, a post about their position on Black Lives Matter that they support it. Call of Duty Warzone, if you log into that, the, the splash screen was replaced with a Black Lives Matter statement. Uh, Apex Legends did a similar thing. Um, Sony so did a, mm. a kind of cancellation and a push forward to, they were going to have a big news stream, yep. uh, a big media event, <laughs> I think for PS5 launch, and mm -hmm. they delayed that and, and put out some vocal statements on it. I, I agree. I know that generally we try to steer clear of too much uh, political stuff, but I feel like this is one of those things that deserves at least a little bit of our attention. Um, mm -hmm. I know that you know a lot of people come to us for we're a gaming podcast or entertainment. It's a time to kind of escape and get away from things. Um, but I feel like this is a time, this whole year has been a year that escaping isn't going to cure the problem. Um, and, and there are a multitude of different issues. There are a multitude of different sides. But I think that just being aware and being present and being, you know, active in this space, um, whether you're, you know, just starting out learning about, you know, systemic issues, or if you're somebody who's been aware of them for a long time, it's, it's something that a lot more people are waking up to. And it's a very uncomfortable time for a lot of people. It's difficult to talk about. These are not simple issues. Um, and, and a lot of people want to steer away from that complexity and that depth and that seriousness. Um, so, you know, while we are going to have a, a good portion of our episode today be just like it always is, I think, yeah, I agree. It's important to talk about some of these things and to at least make mention that, you know, I appreciate and respect the progress that's being made. I think that, you know, the 
the protests and the pushes for equality and for you know reducing the amount of police brutality hopefully to zero but you know it's america so um at least some some movement in that direction is better than what we've seen for decades yeah absolutely um i mean and you know you know obviously we're pretty open with the the making of this show as we live stream it um so people get to if they tune into the live stream they get to see us before we actually start recording and and once the episode's over, you know, they see kind of our post-production stuff to some extent. I say that just to say that, you know, I'll, I'll just be completely open that this was a conversation that we had, um, again, a- ahead of our, our recording. And we both felt that it was important to say something, but we also both feel that, you know, neither of us are the experts on this, this matter. Right. But that doesn't mean that it's not worth mentioning. So, you know, I don't, I don't think either of us have any intention of going through a long <laughs> diatribe of our specific feelings on every individual issue that's there. Um, but it's definitely worth mentioning and worth, worth just saying like, Hey, this is, this is a good thing that, that is happening. And even though it's painful right now, and even though in some circumstances it can be literally scary, um, it's uh, I think it's all, all change that needs to happen and that it's long overdue, frankly. Um, but yeah, I just, I, I, I was just, I was just so pleased because to be honest, a lot of companies, you know, haven't come out about, about this at all. They've just kind of stayed on the sidelines. Um, And I think as a gaming company, I mean, (laughs) you'd be really easy for call of duty to not say anything and not be accused of, of doing anything wrong. So I really don't think they had anything to lose. I don't think there was any risk if they didn't say anything. So I think the fact that they did say something, it's it's not a calculation because there was no. Well, and a lot of it, a lot of it doesn't feel like pandering either. Right. Like it's not co-opting the movement to get additional mm-hmm. people to come in. A, a lot of it seems to be, you know, genuine. This is not we're selling Star Wars face masks because COVID. <laughs> this is, yeah, you know, genuine. Like we're going to take a moment of silence. We're going to back down and allow, you know people to make the statements that need to be heard we're going to show support and solidarity for those statements and that we support those statements and like you said there's a lot of risk involved in in making that stance and and i feel like a a lot of companies big and small um we saw butterscotch shenanigans also do a, a full episode dedicated to really just them admitting some stuff that's that's difficult i'm in a position where i feel this way too where it's like I'm probably not as informed as I could be Um, being raised in small Midwestern town. America is not something that really cultures you. And so to admit that like, I am still learning and I am still, it's been a a long journey of acknowledging just kind of my internal biases and, and prejudices, whether they be, you know, micro scale or not. And just seeing, having to deal with and see other people in the world. I've had some family issues come out of this um, that have been pretty difficult to deal with. It's really hard to see. Uh, I've had both a family member and a very close friend uh, head down the wrong side of history trail and trying to not be angry with them, but instead, even with my limited education, trying to take the references and the materials that inspired me and opened my eyes to things and offer those to other people and just say, please 
try to look at it from another perspective. Like, don't think that you're an expert. And as a, you know, I'm called white. Uh, I, I tend to be brown in some circles, but for the most part, I've lived a very white privileged kind of cis life. And um, just taking those prejudices on and taking and saying, they're there. I have privilege and it has served me. And just being aware of it and acknowledging that is a huge first step. And then moving toward, you know, don't ask other people to teach you. We all have access to the internet. And if you don't, we all have access to libraries, which gets you access to the internet. <laughs> um, so there, there's plenty of resources. There's plenty of books. Uh, there are plenty of lists of books. So I don't think we need to dig too deep into that just yet. But it, it's really a, and even if you do feel educated, even if you do feel like, you know, you're able to stand up and, and, you know, say your piece from an educated standpoint, there's still more to learn. And, and there really always is. There's a lot of history. There's a lot of perspectives. There's a lot of viewpoints. So taking the time to, to go out there and, and just do a little bit of looking, like, I understand if you can't, you know, appear at every protest, um, there's a lot of other ways. If you can donate, if you have that, that's a great way to, you know, do your research, find a good place to donate to, try to donate locally if you can. Um, and, and, you know, changing your, your Facebook profile to a black square may have been great for a day. Um, but this isn't a one day thing. Um, uh, just because the major news outlets have, you know, the riots have have died down and it's actually just protests, but those don't get media coverage, but they're still happening. So I encourage you to look at what the protests stand for. What are, you know, the guidelines that people are asking for? What are the demands that people are making? And, and just staying in the know. I know it can be really easy to, I, I do it all the time, especially as a gamer. We, we want to play games to escape the things that are going on, but I try to make sure that every day I at least spend a little bit of time immersing myself in what's happening in this country um yeah i mean you know i will say also um there there you know there are little things that you can do that that don't actually even require you to to really change your element or your routine that much i mean something that i started doing and and this may be unfavorable i don't know but something i started doing a few years ago in online games um, that I never used to do when I was younger. Cause I felt like I was like narking on people or something. Um, but I actually just decided that that's a ridiculous position for me to hold. And anyway, and, and that is that when someone is, you know, when in online gaming, especially we've all seen it, people use bigoted language. I don't even think a lot of times out of a true bigotry, but out of just trying to be as vile as they can. Right. It's about as crude as you can get. Crass um, humor. Especially yeah. Um, trying to get a laugh. I, I, I report those people every single time. If the yep. game you're playing has a reporting tool, do that. It doesn't, it, it doesn't take a super long time. It doesn't take some huge effort. And honestly, I started doing it because I was like, why would I continue to put up with seeing these things or listening to these things when there is just a built-in tool right. <laughs> to, to manage it? That's the reason it's there. Um, and so, you know, just maybe becoming comfortable to do something like that. And I don't mean that as like, oh, look at me. I do such a great work. That's not my point. No, but it's it's, it's a little thing. that you can stand up. Right. And, exactly. and it's a lot. Of, and it's not something that you have to feel like you're a coward and you're standing up in an, in an anonymous space, right? Like 
the person's not going to know who reported them or whatever. Um, but that can help if, and if that's, if that's where you can make your stand, then make your stand. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it, if you share a meme, do a little bit of digging, make sure it's not just a fake thing and be consistent and make sure that you have a consistent message and that you want to support. And I think the biggest deal really is just listen, listen and look and read and research that like, I I'm being vocal where I can be vocal, but I'm also listening where I can listen. And I think that it's just a really important time to, that, that doesn't mean do nothing, but you can participate in ways that are not, you know, shouting from the grandstands. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and I think that, you know, I think that um, some of the conversation that's going on right now just in society is is almost kind of um, creating a, a scenario where it seems like we need to, as a society, like make sure and convince all racist people that they shouldn't be racist. Um, and and absolutely, that is a wonderful goal. <laughs> and I, if we can right. do that, I'm all for it. However, I do also think that there are going to be people you encounter that aren't going to be interested in having their mind changed. And that no matter what evidence or logic or compassion or empathy you provide, they're not going to see it. And so the point is that it's not a, it's not a failure. If you don't convince someone to not like, that's not the standard. The standard is, is again, just that you don't welcome it. You don't accept it. And so again, that's why I use the blocking as an example, because I'm not suggesting you need to launch into some conversation every time someone says something offensive in an online game, because they're just not going to listen to you probably. Right. But, and not that you shouldn't say something if you feel compelled, but uh, the other side of that coin is, I think it's also completely fine to, to do something like submit a report to get them so that they're not allowed for that behavior. Um, I, I saw a quote somewhat recently in the last couple of weeks that was, um, if, if you want to lynch me, then that's your problem. If you have the power to lynch me, now it's my problem. And the, the point with that is just we're not going to be able to convince everyone to think differently, but we can certainly take away their power to affect the rest of people negatively. If they want to do that in their own home with their own people that agree with those thoughts, again, we're not trying you to be thought police. Right. Yeah. Um, but we can say we're not going to accept this outside of, <laughs> of your right. own private space. So um, either way, I, again, I don't mean to go on and on. Um, but I, I just think it's a really important moment and think it's something that, uh, that needs to be acknowledged. And again, uh, you know, kudos to the gaming industry for, for responding the way that it did. Um, when I don't think they had to, and I don't think anyone would have said anything about them. Not so, right. Good on them. No, but, I agree. Um, so to take it from that incredibly somber note <laughs> into <laughs> the world of video games, which is what we usually talk about and we'll talk about, um, I'll answer the question of what I've been picking up my sticks with, with a very exciting piece of news, which is that I, Walker Near, completed a video game this weekend. (gasps) (gasps) Yay! Applause. (laughs) Um, I kind of begged for that, for those of you who can't see. Um, (laughs) Anyway... That's a big deal. That's a big deal. It is. It, well, it's, I, I don't know. It's becoming less of a big, this isn't like the first time it's ever happened anymore. Well, no, but, but it I is, mean, we, it is still adding into that, like 1% of games in your library that can go into the completed folder. 
Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I knew there were shameful comments to come out. I knew <laughs> that that was there. We want to play all cute, but we've all got comments. Anyway, um, to my discredit, it is a game that I it took me about five hours total to beat, so it's a very short game. Okay. Uh, but it still counts. Still, yeah, I mean, there are games that take less than that that you will not complete, so. True. Um, but yeah, so it's a game called Redeemer. Um and it's a it's on Steam is where I own it, but it's it's made by a, a Russian developer, and it's kind of um, honestly the closest thing I can compare it to would be the like PS2 era like um, Marvel Ultimate Alliance games. Did you okay. ever play any of those? I didn't play them, but I've actually I know I'm familiar with them. So it's kind of, it's, it's actually a little more top down than even like Diablo or those games, which are more the isometric, but it's right. basically an isometric angle, slightly more uh, vertical, I guess you could say. But anyway, and then, and then, yeah, so, it, and then it's just a beat em up. Um, you, you're like a monk when you start the game and then your, your monastery gets assaulted by an army uh, and it's, one of the more brutal games that I've ever played, especially really? for its perspective of top down, because it's not fully 3D. Right. But but yeah, you're I mean, so the gameplay is basically, you know, you're running around, of course, controlling movement, but then there's kicks and, and punches. And so you're beating guys up, but then there's like environmental things that you can use to like finish them. So you'll like there's like a table saw, like a I don't I I guess that's right. what it's called. Yeah, it's a it's a table, and then there's a saw that goes down over it, like, like not one that saw. slides. There we go. See, I knew you'd know. <laughs> and yeah, you just grab a dude and throw him over the table, and then saw straight Oof. through. Like right. Um, you'll I mean you'll you you'll beat a guy, and he'll get like dazed, so you can like do a finishing move, and you'll just like grab his head and just slam it into the wall over and over again Good until Lord. it's just yeah, uh, very hyper violent. Uh, which I, despite being frightened by cat fights in real life <laughs> um, and turtles, as we discussed last week, love hyperviolence in my video games. So um, enjoyed it quite a bit. It, it kind of does the original far cry thing or the original crisis thing where it starts out and you're fighting against dudes like an army. And then it changes into like weird. It's not really aliens. It's like, and the, I was going to say, and then the aliens invade. Yeah. Instead of aliens, it's like, there's some general that's some psychopath that you used to work for. And, and he's cr trying to create genetically engineered soldiers. And so there's a lot of like failed experiments. Mutants. Yes, exactly. Might as well and, be aliens. Right. Exactly. Some of them have like Wolverine claws and, you know, all sorts of stuff like that. But, Cyber Rottweilers. Um, right, right, right. The best version of that is definitely Far Cry, Far Cry Blood Dragon, by the way. That's, right, but that mm -hmm. one is trying to be that. Like, it's mm -hmm. intentionally going off the rails as far as it can. But, you know, as a kid, I loved... I mean, I, I don't know if I could say it was my favorite genre. I don't, I don't know, but I loved Double Dragon, Two Crude Dudes, mm -hmm. um... Just Streets of Rage, just the old yep. school final fight, the beat em ups. And I see um, games like Ninja Gaiden, Devil May Cry, God of War, Bayonetta, games in that vein as being kind of the modern evolution of right. old school beat em up. 
Um, but this obviously is a newer game, and but it because of its art and graphical style, it's kind of more of a throwback, right? To some extent, it's not two D side scrolling, but but anyway, yeah, uh, really enjoyed Redeemer. Um, I think honestly, it's a game where I'm happy with the five dollars because if it was much more than that, or excuse me, five dollars, five hours. Because if it was much more than that, I think it kind of overstays its welcome. Um, right. It's it's fun enough without... Like, if it was five more hours, if it was double the length... Probably not making it through. Yeah, probably not. Probably not changing game, game mechanics more frequently. Like Yeah, which, to their credit, I mean, so it came out in 2017, but they've gone through and done and re-released a whole enhanced edition that everyone got for free. Um, added a ton of new weapons and items. Like, when I played the first time... Because uh, I bought it probably a couple of years ago and played through it a little bit. And when I played through then, most of the enemies carried like uh, like cattle prod, like stun baton weapons. Right. And that was almost all you could use as a melee weapon. Because you can, I didn't even explain the mechanics. So you can use melee weapons and guns, but you don't ever equip them on yourself. Like right. ahead of a level. Pick them up from the ground kind of thing. A la and then they have yeah and they have limited ammo right like that as well and the the weapon the melee weapons will break over time same kind of thing but anyway so like the very first time i played it was like mostly stun batons but this last time i mean i'm hitting dudes with axes hammers bats <laughs> uh, crowbars i mean you name it you, you even at one point you even can rip mutants arms off and then beat them <laughs> with their own arm as a weapon so um <laughs> fair enough <I> <laughs> But there's like a whole leveling system where you put different skill, like you get skill points and you put those into like punches or kicks or melee weapon attacks. Or there's like pistols, shotguns, uh, assault rifles, SMGs, you know, stuff like that. And then there's different perks that you can unlock. It's nice that there's kind of an outside of the level meta. Yeah, exactly. There's an RPG kind of element to it. Um, But yeah, I would I would highly recommend Redeemer again have the stomach for it but i mean full price it's 15 it goes on sale all the time and i think for five hours even full price at 15 i think is a fair yeah shake on that i don't think that's a a too too high of an ask oh that's awesome but yeah um so i don't know that's (laughs) i guess my thoughts on redeemer i don't know it i feel like i should say more because i beat it and i never beat a game but it's also only five hours so there's only so much to really yeah it's just one of those things where i mean that was with me with like donut county was like i can tell where this game is going i can tell how about how long it's going to be so i'm just going to beat it all so did you beat it all in one session slash day or did you come back to like did you get to sleep in between beating it i did sleep so i i had played it a couple years ago when i got it originally and stopped i don't know halfway ish through probably and then i picked it back up maybe a week ago and played through probably the first third of the levels or so and then this last saturday i sat and played through all of the levels nice you know that was actually the day that my my car broke down so i might have played it it might have been cathartic for me to beat all of the (laughs) the mutants and goon soldiers up and out of retribution for my car i don't know that's about the only time that i'll take a hyper violent game is is when i'm just mad at the world like you know what i need things to explode with grenades right like i need to throw explosive things at people and (laughs) yeah yeah 
Uh, but yeah, so what, what about yourself? What did you play this week? So I've actually had a, a couple few things that I've done up this week. I went back. I know we spoke about it several weeks ago very briefly, um, and I hadn't played it at that point, but it, it got stuck in my head, so I decided to give it a go, was uh, Brigador, the uh, mech game. Nice. Yeah, we've talked. We mentioned it on. Yeah, yeah, we mentioned it because they had gone back and and redone the game. I actually realized I had not played it since they had re-released the mm. Up Armored Edition, which is basically the re-release of the game. Um, it it was still it's a, it's a fun enough game, but it, it didn't I didn't complete it. So this is one of the games that I didn't complete, which is kind of rare for me. <laughs> yeah, applause. Ah, I said no yeah. to I said no to a game. <laughs> Welcome to me. How's it feel? <laughs> Dirty. Pretty great. No, I would. <laughs> that's not how most folks describe it. So go on. Um, I I was I you know we had spoke about it and I just had a hankering one day. I was like, I need to be in a robot. Like I need to be in a robot suit blowing stuff up. And I looked through my Steam library. It was there. I was like, you know what? We talked about it. Uh, I don't think I've played it since the Rearmored Edition came out. So let's go ahead and give it a whirl. Mm-hmm. And uh, overall, way better than the original. Um, in the original, I think I got to like the third or fourth level before I was just done with the game because the movement schemes for every vehicle, you get like hovercraft, tanks, and mechs. And originally, the movement scheme was different for all of them. And in the Up Armored Edition, you could essentially use the same movement scheme for all of them, which is really nice. Unifying the keyboard, I don't have to memorize three different control options like everything ran the same so that was helpful although there were some spots in like even some of the tutorial type levels where i think they kind of reference the old movement scheme Mm. um because it'll tell you like hold w and then press e to charge into this character that's to your left so like w would move you north but in the old control scheme w would move you in the direction you were facing so uh, they were like, face this direction and then hold W and charge. But now if you do that, you charge north just into a wall. Mm-hmm. Um, not that that's a huge deal. It's not like a giant game breaker or something. But it, it was a couple of those little things that I kind of caught. Um, I'd say that the first half a dozen levels or so are great. Um, but there's a lot of confusing things that they just don't tell you about. Like... For the first probably 10 levels, you have essentially, if you're not locked into a single choice, you get a choice of three different vehicles. And they're the same three vehicles over and over. But out of the end of every mission, you're like earning money. And I thought it was just a points thing because there wasn't any obvious way to spend it. But then outside of the missions, I had a cumulative total at the top, which to me didn't fit like a high. It's not like a high score for this level or something. It's obvious that these can be spent somewhere, but I didn't know where or how. Um, turns out there's a whole side section of just kind of single mission things that you can run. Some of them have like two or three missions in a row that you'll go on where you can buy different pilots, different mechs or tanks. Then there's like primary and secondary guns. For those that don't know, Brigador is all very isometric, single map mission based. Uh, like I said, mech kind of is the primary gameplay. Um, it is interesting because like everything's destructible, which is really neat. Like you can, there's a lot of tactics that involve destroying a wall to get through and kind of sneak around enemies. It's not all just running guns blazing. Um, and there's a lot of interesting things that have to do with the sound, the amount of noise your character makes. 
Mm. Some guns, they, they have basically a report and an explosion or a hit sound level. So a weapon that has a high report level will alert enemies to exactly where you are and they'll come looking. And a weapon that has a high hit level, but maybe it's a silenced gun, like a silenced grenade launcher or something, they won't come for you, they'll come for where it explodes. Which is kind of neat to see, you know, you can mess with the enemy AI in that sort of way, but it seemed to me more often than not that it's really just run around and blow stuff up as quick as you can, because the stealth tactics while they're there really didn't suit me in any beneficial way. And taking some lightly armored stealth unit, I just died a lot. Like, it, it's not... You, enemies will turn around and basically hit-scan you with everything they have. Sometimes mm -hmm. it's difficult to tell if something is an enemy or a building. Um, so... It, but there's a whole separate campaign. It's not a, outside of the campaign. You can buy and upgrade these weapons. But it, you don't know what they are until you buy them, which I was really taken aback by. Like, it, it just has... It might as well just have a question mark. It says, like, classified information or whatever until you buy it. And then it tells you what it is, but not really. It gives you a description, but it's like the Z90X laser is a laser. And it's like, okay, I don't remember. I'm not remembering this from the campaign because it's just letters and numbers thrown together. And it doesn't tell me, is it a shotgun laser? Is it a sniper laser? Like, it's just a laser type weapon. I'm like, so you don't know until you get into a mission and play with it, but with, you don't have infinite ammo, so you have limited ammo of everything. So you've got to learn the gun while you're in the mission. And it just, if there was a way to uncover that information, like if you play with it in the campaign first, then you get at least some of the information or a little bit more data. I, I feel like I probably would have had a better handle on it, but there was just a lot of missing. Like I didn't know how to spend money until I'd played for like four hours. And I kind of yeah. stumbled into it. Something I've seen in a lot of games that I think, you know, would have been a really nice addition based on, on what you've described here. I've seen in a lot of games where, like, whenever there's abilities to select, there's, like, a tiny little built-in video yes. of being used. So like you a League see... of Legends thing where they show you all the character attacks mm -hmm. and how to use them. Use them up close, chain them, whatever. Right. But so then you have an idea of what the expectation, right. or at least the design philosophy. Right. Like this is an anti-infantry short range weapon. It's a scatter laser and it shows a bunch of five infantry dudes want to run up and one scatter laser burst kills them all. Like great. Yeah. Or like Starcraft. this is an anti-tank shell and it shows a tank roll up and it just, you know, cool. Starcraft 2 in the campaign does that whenever there's all those different random upgrades you can get. It'll yep. show you. Like if you upgrade your gun turrets to have, uh, or the missile turrets, I think it is. I don't whatever. The, you, there's flamethrower oh, towers yeah, yeah, you can yeah. get as in the Wings of Liberty campaign, and yeah, it just shows like here's a bunker, here's two flamethrower towers, here comes a pack of zerglings, they all get melted. Yeah, that's what it looks that's like. That's what it, it does. Like. <laughs> yeah, right. something like that would have gone a long way because there there's a lot of content to the game. There's a, probably at least a hundred different pilotable vehicles from big giant stompy mechs oh. and giant tanks to itty bitty like scout kind of personal armor type things and there's the same at least a hundred weapons and i'm i'm probably on the low end 
but there's rockets, grenades, lasers, snipers, all kinds of stuff. And it, and it's got an interesting, it's just a two button mouse thing where your primary is on your left, your secondary is on your right. And you get to roll through the different levels. But unfortunately, all of the, where you can buy and make your own stuff, all of the levels are pretty much the same. There's like three objectives in every level and you can only have to complete one of them. Uh -huh. um, but they're always pretty much the same three objectives. And so with the customization being locked behind buying everything and playing with it before you knew what you had and then remembering it, if I went back today, I wouldn't know what half the things I unlocked were because right. there's not enough detail for, you know, ZX482A is, I'm not going to remember what that is. Um, and so it just felt like it, I think it's a good game to sit down and kill some time with as kind of like a backup game that you maybe just always have installed if you want to run around and play as i mean i i ended up probably playing as hovercrafts more than anything because i liked them the most which was weird because i wanted a mech game <laughs> mm. but it's a good game to have in the background um you know probably stick with the campaign and always read your objectives in mission because the pre and post mission stuff don't really give you enough data but I, I, I think that they had a lot of really cool ideas, and I think that they may have spread themselves a little bit too thin on execution. Yeah, well, it was, you know, it, it's interesting because it, it reminds me of kind of like, um, I don't know, maybe I'm trying to think of what genre to compare it to, but like maybe, maybe like a, like an indie movie that, that like maybe has a great script and, maybe has great costumes but the editing isn't that great right or the actors are really bad like the right. story is great but the actors aren't portraying it like yeah well and so but like it, it's a thing where for some people it still really resonates because right. there's a lot of passion in it so it's not it's not something that was made cheaply and when i say cheaply i don't mean money wise no, but like they really try there definitely is it's a high quality game the the graphics yeah. are beautiful um the sound design is really good uh all of the weapons are fun i and i love the the fact that you can sneak through a level and use a weapon that's gonna be silent when you shoot it but explode over a bridge or something or over a wall and all the enemies are going to go there and then you can get a special ability like cloak or throw a smoke screen or something and hide behind it and move to a different location and then do it again like there's a lot of kind of tactics to the game um and it's it like i said it's definitely a good game i think i'm going to probably come back to it but it's not it's not something that i'm going to actively try to beat it's just going to be yeah i'm going to jump into a mission or two blow some stuff up watch some buildings explode and then just pop out Right. Yeah. Well, and that's, you know, I, I've read not a ton, but I've read things about it. And um, my that's my understanding of it is that it's a very much a passion project that <clears throat> the people who made it are, are talented and had a good vision. But they just, you know, it's like they they wanted to. I'm trying to think of an analogy, but I don't even know if it's worth trying to do, to come up with one. But it, it's. It's like like if you wanted to start selling milk or something, and it's like, well, you could buy milk from a farmer already and worry just about distributing milk, or you could become a farmer and worry about how to raise cattle. And, and that's what they did. Like they they didn't just make a game; they designed the and built the entire engine from right. scratch. Like so, it's just 
on the one hand, you get to execute more specifically exactly what your vision is. On the other hand, when you're an indie team that's never made a game before and it's a small group of people, it I think it's just hard to, to check all the boxes. Way too many resources to it. Yeah. Right. And it right. and it probably did leave less room for open testing and and getting like they had to re-release a second version. Which I mean, kudos to them. I, I definitely don't want to harsh on them at all. Yeah. Like I feel like the game is a good game. Um it's a fun it's the same thing that like for me, there are some movies that are just popcorn movies. That right. it's a great movie for a rainy day or if you're sick and just want to lay on the couch. Like for me, honestly, almost all the Transformers movies, I don't care about the story. I don't care about what's happening. I don't care about the characters. I just want to see robots beat each other up. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Well, it's actually really interesting because that was another example that I'd kind of thought of. Like, It's also interesting how something can do so many things right and still not quite get there. Right. Like I've talked about it <clears throat> with relation to MMOs, for example, with Warhammer online and how Ding. they really tried to, you know, <laughs> before 40 minutes this time I didn't, it was, it was late enough in the show. I didn't make uh, right, a thing. Right. <laughs> um, but anyway, like Warhammer online, like they tried really hard to mimic. Wow. And in so many ways they did, but in a lot of ways they fell short. And so then the end result is like, it's, it's just not quite there. Transformers is another example that I think is fascinating because I agree. I've probably watched all of the Transformers movies, but I've fallen asleep during a lot of them. Mm -hmm. I I just, I don't care. It's just not right. really that good. But as not good as I would put those in a category of being, they're at least watchable. Right. Right? The second it's one, maybe kinda, not. Uh, the, it goes back and forth. <laughs> again, rainy day, sick day, whatever. That right. kind of watchable. If you get, if you if you have to be doped up on cold medicine, go for it. <laughs> there you go. But I've never heard anyone suggest, and I would not suggest, like the Battleship movie that came out probably in 2015. It, you know what I'm talking yeah, about? Yeah, I know what you're talking about. Well, and, and but that's my point. Like, see, like even you are like, oh, God, not that thing. <laughs> But that's my point is like on paper, it checks all the boxes that Transformers right. does, but it doesn't like it still doesn't actually quite get there. And and there are a lot of specifics I'm sure you can point to, but it's like, I don't know. I think that that's kind of the category that Brigadier falls into where it really does do a lot of things great. And there's a lot of passion and love into it. And to be fair, I think it's probably a higher quality product than the Battleship movies or has more yes. soul than the Battleship like I said, movie. I would put it almost into the Transformers like yeah it's a good it, game for a rainy day and yeah but it just doesn't quite make it right if, if like, there's they're missing some unification gel right that, you know you can do any number of things it, it has a lot of good ideas and it feels like if they would have taken any of those ideas and really pursued it really dive into the campaign and give me a story because it seems like there's a story there but then almost all the mission outlines say the same thing so I don't feel, and I, you know, not that reading's a terrible thing, but I'm not going to read three paragraphs when it's always the same three paragraphs. I don't right. feel like I'm actually participating in anything, and I'm getting different pilots all the time. So am I these pilots? Am I a commander? I I don't know. Or dive wholly into unlocking and building vehicles and mechs and having different loadouts that you could save for different missions if you want a sneaky mission or a guns blazing like save a loadout that is your sneaky guy with your emp and save one that's the giant 200 ton mech with 
mega guns like lean into that and make that the core it just feels like the core gameplay loop is kind of lost it's a little it's less a loop and more of just a smattering of good ideas yeah i mean in, you know looking at the reviews on steam um <clears throat> excuse me not just the reviews but the store page i mean their description of it is that it's a roguelite isometric mayhem game so i think maybe roguelite is the part of it that maybe is responsible for some of what you're experiencing because in like like i don't know if you've ever played enter the gungeon right yeah but you find all sorts of weapons and there's not really a clear description of how they work right but you're also just playing with them for that mission right i mean that's a lot more like a that's right because you're changing mission like well yeah but in the so that there is a campaign which is the first thing that's highlighted so for me that's not very roguelike because the missions will be the same exact mission in the campaign so if you get stuck just replay it and to go okay there's guys here right um now as you progress after the first like 10 missions or so which are all pretty much tutorial then it starts giving you kind of random but it's the same vehicles but you'll get like three random vehicles with random weapons. I say random, they're the same every time, but they feel random because you don't have, you're not purchasing or upgrading anything in the campaign. Um, but even to like the the outside missions, like I guess roguelite because you're upgrading stuff and those missions are kind of random, mm-hmm. but there's nothing that's sticking me to that. And like... Yeah. I don't know. It just, again, the the unifying goop is missing. All of the individual ideas, I think, are great and executed really well, but there's nothing tying it all together. Yeah, yeah. No, that's fair. Um, I it's 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 almost a little sad because it's like they tried so hard and they did they they put so much into it and then again like, but but it's not just one thing. Like if there was tooltips that right. showed the weapons like it's not like now all of a sudden it's a 10 out of 10 like it's just a, it's a a culmination of little bitty yes. slights <laughs> they're not slight it's but, still you know a fun I mean? game it goes on sale all the time like i still recommend yeah. picking it up if you want an isometric mech game that's not you know a mech warrior um because all it, that really it, it feeds that is, yeah it's a it's a beautiful game it's got a very uh kind of a 3d pixel art it, like everything's kind of pixel art, but kind of that high def pixel art. Um, mm. It's got a, a very unique style. Everything's destructible. Everything goes through multiple stages of destruction. So, you know, explosions can chain. Like if there's a gas station next to a car lot, the gas station may blow up a bunch of cars or a mm. pipeline or something. There's enough mechanics where like if alarms are triggered, then walls may come up around targets and stuff. There's, there's a lot of fun things to do in the game. Um, or you could just, like I said, go in guns blazing with a giant mech and it's, it's still very satisfying and fun. Um, but as far as something that I'm going to get like super engrossed by, probably not. Right. Right. That makes sense. So do you have anything else that you've been playing this week? Um, yeah. So I played uh, a little bit of Nier Automata, um, which is a game that I had started as always a few years ago and then stopped abruptly. Um, and then I actually tried to restart it probably three weeks ago and I pushed it to my big screen with the steam link. Right. And the way the game starts is you get that you can't, there is no auto save. And so when you start the game, the, 
the initial introductory mission or whatever takes about 30 minutes to complete and there is no save point at any point Ooh, in that. That's always good. Uh, it was because what happened to me was I got to the boss of the of the intro mission um which is, I mean it's the intro mission so it's not that hard right. but you do have to do it. Um and yeah the screen just went black. Oh. But I could still hear, like, if I moved the controller, I could still hear the game playing. So the game wasn't actually <laughs> off. So, like, a blind speed run time? Yeah. But there was no, I couldn't, you know, I tried to take, I shut off the Steam Link and tried to just bring it back to the PC, and I couldn't get the, the visual back. So I had to just Alt F4 the uh, game, which meant that I had to redo that yo. 30 minutes again. Um, so I waited a few weeks, but I did I did do it again over the weekend, and um, I got about four hours in this time, farther than I got ever, even a couple years ago when I played. And yeah, it's just a really really cool game. It's, yeah. Um, I it it yeah, it's cool with how many. It's just so artistically done. Like, it's cool how, like when you start the game it starts out like the very first zone you're in is like kind of a, a top down shoot 'em up, you know, right. like Galaga kind of thing. But then like partway through that, your ship that you're in turns into like a, a mech suit. So then you like stand up basically in the middle of the sky and you're still shooting things, but instead of them all coming from the top down, now they're like coming from all around you and you're dodging and doing stuff. And then you'll go to the ground and and the, the majority of the gameplay is, I mean, it's made by Platinum Games, which makes like Bayonetta right. uh, is the easiest example. But anyway, so it's a modern brawler, as I described, right. or beat em up, as I described earlier. Kind of Dynasty anyway, Warriors feel in some areas. Yeah, but a, I would say much more... More brawler and less, yeah, you're not Much fighting. more technical yeah, than that. right. Dynasty Warriors is kind of just button mashing. Um, <laughs> Fair. I mean, I, I've I've liked it, but that's because I'm a huge fan of the Romance of the Three Kingdoms series, which right. Dynasty Warriors is also based on. Um, anyway, so, uh, but anyway, so you'll go down and, and like the, the majority of the game when you're playing, it's like behind the character third person, like a God of War would be, or again, Bayonetta or something like that. But then it'll, it'll also just, not at random, but at certain different points, it'll switch to a top-down view where you're running and controlling the character from top-down or it switches to a side-scroller and now you're only going left and right and jumping up and down, but you can't face towards the screen or away from the screen because it's now 2D. Right. Uh, and it just seamlessly transitions between all these different camera angles and just kind of almost genre of game, except that the controls don't change. Right. So... Which is really refreshing. <laughs> yeah, you don't have um, to relearn three separate games to play one game. Yeah, exactly. Well, and it also makes it less... It's not like you're ported over to a mini game, Even if right. that's kind of what it is. Right. Like, without you... Like you said, like making it seamless just makes it part of the main game, which I think throws those nice refreshing moments, whereas a mini game and some other games can be kind of off-putting. Even mm. if the controls are simple... Like, hacking games are always kind of where I think of that. Like, I don't necessarily want to play a hacking game. I don't necessarily want to jiggle the lock in Skyrim. Like, it's not like it's difficult. I just, 
Mm-hmm. It's, Fallout 3 is the worst. I hate the hacking game yeah, in Fallout. With the word Go guessing. Yes. Yeah. But it, it takes so much. It, it jerks you away from the core gameplay and forces you to play something that's kind of tedious. Whereas yeah. if you have a very seamless exchange between these items, you know, with the same controls and everything, then there are ways to do like i would even say like quick time events are to me probably better than as long as they're like telegraphed like if you know like if if unlocking a lock was just kind of a little quick time event takes a couple of seconds then no problem but if you're changing the screen and fading in the lock and putting the tools in and breaking lock picks i do not care about that just let me upgrade my lock pick skill and just make it easier for my character to do. yeah i mean i think my favorite version of lock picking in games is probably when like if you're bad at it you go to the door and you have to press the a button or whatever for four seconds right and so the the risk is can you risk the four seconds of not being interrupted right because so if you're being chased or something now right it's a problem and now as you get higher lock picking skill, it maybe it takes two seconds or maybe eventually it doesn't take any time and you can just open doors. Right. That's fun. I agree. Not a fan of uh, lock picking mini games. It, it, again, they're novel at first, maybe, but then after not very long, it's just like, I don't right. Care. There needs yeah. to be a way like if I become a master at it, I don't have to do it at all. I just, right. skip, <laughs> I just skip the mini game because but that's where something like Nier Automata is. Or even, like you said, just pressing the button to try to unlock the door, it doesn't jerk you out of the gameplay. It mm-hmm. change it's a change to the gameplay, and it but it's not pulling you away from the core loop. Mm-hmm. No, I would agree. Um, but yeah, you're so in, in your automata, you're androids, um, or you're an android, and the way that you because it's it's got RPG elements to it as well. So the way that you get new skills, which are largely passive abilities when I say skills. Um, but basically, you just have like a a grid that you can plug what look like little ram sticks or something nice. into. And so like a, a, a minor increase to your melee attack that's a passive bonus, like plus 2%. Maybe it takes, you've got like 40 gigs available and it takes 10 or it takes five, right. and then you later you get a a thing that does a, a life steal on melee attack. Well, maybe that takes ten, and so then you're trying to make sure that like not only do you have to does it the total amount of your stuff can't exceed um, the the total capacity that you have, right? But also you like. It, you it's almost kind of a little bit like Diablo inventory where you're able to to kind of min max how things are layered or ordered right to try and like put them in because if you like for example if you had an empty space between two slots well you're not going to be able to fit something that's wider than that one empty space but if you just scoot them all up together which it to be clear it's not that involved of a process right it's a cool it's just a cool way to see RPG done. No, it's... gamifying your skills or your inventory is, yeah, I'm definitely a fan of adding, like, because that's not out of the loop, because you're picking when that happens. And it's usually like a reward type thing. Like, yeah. lock picking isn't a reward. What's in the chest is the reward. Right. Um, but yeah, like in Diablo, just 
trying to move your inventory around in a way that you can fit that belt in or that weapon, you know, without having to go back to town just yet. Or like I said, with with the skills doing it in the same kind of way there. Yeah, that's fun. That's because it's usually not going to take a lot of time. It's not very difficult. There's usually it's very clear what you can and can't do on a broad scale. And you're just kind of tweaking, like you said, kind of min maxing the end result. Yeah. And yeah, you can save multiple loadouts, so you can flip between easily different loadouts of skills or whatever. Um, there's different weapons. All of them have upgrades. And the story, which I'm frankly not that far into, I think is going to be really fascinating. I absolutely love the premise. Like, the premise is in the year 5,000-something, Earth was attacked by aliens, and the aliens' weapon was robots. So the little bit of humanity that survived fled to the moon and is hiding out on the moon. There is some element of resistance on Earth because that's where all the resources are. So the moon people need the Earth to send them stuff. Um, But the game that you're playing takes place in the year like (laughs) 11,400. So I just and and it might sound arbitrary, but I love that they built that much time into it because now, if they ever want to make games in that franchise, right, they could prequel they have so much room. Yeah. yeah. Whereas like Mass Effect, which I know I talked about this on another episode, but Mass Effect, they have the timeline of the Mass Effect game starts like a few hundred years from now. Right. So you can't really do much prequel because. Then you have Pretty to adhere silly. to like if it's Hard 2020, time. COVID better be a thing. Like, yeah, or, <laughs> or even if it's 2100, like you either have to really like kind of be almost corny with like there was a big technological advancement, or it's like if it's only 80 years from now, dude. Like, I don't think that we have infinite light. Yeah, yeah. Like it doesn't make sense. So anyway. um, I really appreciated that about Nier's story or whatever, but I'm excited to, to continue playing it and excited to see what else the story has to offer. I would definitely it's... recommend, I don't know how much you know, or, you know, I'm not going to spoil or anything, but do beat that one. Well, you have to beat it five times. Okay, actually. okay, so never mind. You've already got that part. So I was like, at least cycle through one go through. <laughs> yeah, so one of my buddies has played it through on PlayStation. I think he's done three. There's actually 26 endings. There's right. an ending that represents every letter of the alphabet. And I think he's played through, but there's five that are main endings. Right. I think he's done three of them, he said. So, um, yeah, I'm eager to see. I, I'm curious how long the full game will take because really so far when I've entered a zone, like a new area, mm-hmm. it's actually not very long until you get to like the end encounter. Right. It. Which, if you're meant to play through the game multiple times, would make sense that it's not a 30-hour game. Not gonna, then... They're not expecting you to spend 2,000 hours to get all the endings. Like Right, exactly. Yeah, Only Terraria would do that. <laughs> For one ending. Uh, <laughs> correct. <laughs> that, will be, that will be made invalid in two years when they release yet the, the next 10, last ever Terraria. Yeah, it's definitely right. the last for real we're serious V2. Like. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Um, but yeah, a couple other things as well, but but yourself, anything else? Oh, um, so I actually, uh, uh, Moonlighter was on sale, and I know mm. you had recommended that before. Um, I had seen it. I'm, as you well know, uh, a, a huge sucker for a fantasy shop game that actually 
is a good fantasy shop game. And there's a very specific one that I have in mind, which is the game that I have never finished making um, because arrays are hard, yo. And, <laughs> um, but I'm always kind of chasing somebody else. Like if somebody else will just make it, I don't, I don't really want to make the game. I want to play the game. Mm-hmm. Um, but Moonlighter was something that it has been on my wish list for a while. It went on sale. So I, I went ahead and picked it up and I picked up the DLC right away. I'm like, if it's on sale, I don't care if the DLC content is before or after or sparkled throughout. I just want it all at once. I don't want to mess with it. Uh, so I picked up Moonlighter and the DLC, and I've been jamming on that um, for the past few days now. I think uh, I know we had discussed prior that I was a little bit disgruntled with it in places. Some of that is still valid, but I think the other part of that is I also got back into Archero at the same time as we kind of mentioned last week, mm. which there's a lot of as far as the combat of Moonlighter is very much just get into the right position and then whack a dude three times. But getting into the right position is all all of the combat. Like the combat is actually kind of difficult until mm-hmm. you know what the enemies can do. Then it gets significantly easier. Um, but every the first time you encounter any enemy, it has a good chance of killing you because they do not telegraph moves very well. There's no like red circle that comes over to you to let you know you're about to get hit or that an enemy is going to shoot in a certain direction or anything. It just happens. So there are even, there's a boss fight that the, the second dungeon boss I'm really frustrated at because it has some undodgeable attacks that seem like they should be dodgeable. Like it should, like everybody knows the classic, like, guy throws three rocks or missiles into the air and then three shadows appear on the ground and they either get bigger or they blow up a second later or the rocks fall there or whatever. So you can at least have a chance of dodging those attacks. And there's more often than not, Moonlighter doesn't give you that. There are guys that'll shoot rapid fire things at you or all over the zone or the map or whatever. And you don't know where they're going, where they're coming from when they end. It just, blasts you does the dodge include an iframe no okay yeah that's that's it is kind of brutal in the sense that there are no forgiveness mechanics like if you don't dodge roll properly you get hit there are times where i'm like constantly dodge dodge roll dodge roll dodge roll just circle around the map and i still get hit three times and i'm like i'm doing nothing but dodge rolling this bombardment spam from a boss that just hits everywhere and feels like it's meant to hit me three times, mm. which seems kind of unfair. But Moonlighter right. is a, a, a top down. Like, it's not I don't think it's really isometric. It's very much so a top down, a lot like a Binding of Isaac sort of uh, style game. But it's kind of split into two halves. You have a combat section where you go into a dungeon and you have various weapons that you can equip. And a couple, like, eh, you don't really have skills, but you have various weapons that you can use, and you can equip potions and rings and types of things to give you effects, and you go fight a bunch of dudes and try to crawl through the dungeon and get a bunch of loot drops from them. But the other half of that game is you take all those loot drops back to your shop, and then you're able to sell them. Um, Some of them you can craft into different things, but the majority of it is just loot that's there to be sold to make money to then go do more dungeon delving with. Mm-hmm. And I, the shop side isn't the core of the game. The core of the game is definitely the dungeon crawler combat piece. 
Um, but there are, like we've discussed, there's some interesting pieces of the shop mechanics that I, I kind of like, uh, but also get kind of invalidated by wikis existing. Like, there's a mechanic where you don't know how much an item is worth, so you have to sell maybe one of them. And if you get a whole bunch of them, it's probably not worth too much, but if you only got one of them, it may be worth a lot. And the civilians and the citizens will come in and they'll maybe sneer at item means you're probably more than 50% overpriced. And if they get like little money changer eyes, then you're probably 50% underpriced. So you can kind of target in by selling some items back and forth. The problem for me actually wasn't even, I was fine trying to learn that mechanic, but the problem for me came in where I didn't know I had found one of something and it was like golem plans. And I found like golem plans one and golem plans three. And each of them have a little lore bit that's like, this is used for manufacturing golems, but it's missing or, and it contains construction of the body. And then like three was like, it contains construction of the head and weapons, but the power portion is scratched out. And I'm like, do I get to build a golem? Like, cause I had also in the same run gotten, which I didn't realize, but basically an egg for a pet golem, you can have like one pet follow you. And so I had this little golem. And I was like, do I get to upgrade it? Do I get, to, I have no idea. I'm going to go to the wiki before I sell these things. Cause if I'm supposed to use them, cause you can sell items that you could otherwise use. Uh, so I was like, I want to know what it does. I want to know if, how to craft it. Cause I want a, I want a golem pet. This is awesome. Turns out it is just a sellable item. It has no crafting recipe, but none of the items tell you which are items that are used in crafting and which are sellable. And there's tons of items. And there are several items that I've been like, like you definitely use the power crystal to create a power, like the, the lightning shield. Like that's just kind of, that's games do that. And no, you use like, but then there are items that seem like they're trash items, like broken pot pieces that are used to make armor with. And so it's it's very illogical in what's to be sold and what's to be kept. Yeah, I actually kind of encountered a similar thing in Nier Automata, except it featured the text that Moonlighter does not have. Um, but in Nier Automata, like, <clears throat> I can't even remember what the items were called, but I found some items that sounded like, oh, I know what it was. It was like different jewelry pieces. Ah. And I was like, oh, maybe that means something. But it just says this item is used to be sold to merchants. Right. So it's like, oh, okay. But then you get an item that's like dented plate. <laughs> and I was like, oh, well, that's trash. No, it turns out that's crafting material. It doesn't say it's crafting material, but it also doesn't say Only this is used to be sold. Right. right. So I, I felt like it was a little, a little more forgiving because it, at least told you when something was vendor trash. Right. You know? The other unfortunate aspect of wikiing, if this is vendor trash or not, was that it just told me the optimal prices for everything. Now, through the first zone, I didn't really use it too much. But once you get into the second zone, the prices for even the junk items in that area jump up kind of exponentially uh, to keep up with the amount of money you need to upgrade your shop and your gear and stuff. Uh, so I'm definitely just wikiing the prices now. I feel like I would have, and it feels kind of wrong because it invalidates essentially an entire mechanic of the game of knowing the citizens and working, figuring out what's worth something and what's not. But it feels like if there was somebody in town, even if you had to purchase them or whatever, that 
did appraisals for things or gave you an idea of, you know, maybe you have to give them one and then they come back and tell you, well, it's worth between this and this, at least to give you a starting price because otherwise, and there's a way in game actually that you can, there's a, a guy that will only vend you things that you have found before uh, or come across, but you don't have to have sold them. And he always sells it for three times its optimal value. So you could go through and divide by three and go look at his shop every day and figure out what items he has and write them all down and everything. I, I just am not going to do that. So wiki it is. Yeah, I mean, I, I you know, it's kind of like when I played Stardew Valley, though. Um, I I started down the, the path of like, okay, well, if it takes cauliflower 12 days to grow and there's only 28 days in the month, and that means I can only do two cauliflower harvests in a month, and they caught, you know, and so I'm starting to do the math to see, like, is cauliflower the most optimal right. thing to grow? Which, to be clear, it is. Um, <laughs> Pro tip. Yeah, but I know that because I eventually went and looked at the wiki, but that's because it was, just, like, the thing is, is if you understand that you could go to that guy and figure out what the wiki has now provided. I don't, I don't, I don't know how cheaty it is because you were going to do it anyway. Right Now you've saved yourself the tedium of doing all of that math, which isn't anything to do with playing the game. Now, if you wouldn't be willing to do that, if like, if you would have never had the thought of like, Oh, this is how I could figure out prices then maybe, but, I don't know. Well, like I, I said, for the first zone, I definitely avoided, even after seeing the wiki, I avoided, I, I learned a couple of things about the game, which is like the, all of the plans and designs don't get used for anything, so they're just valuables. And then mm -hmm. everything else, I was fine kind of zeroing in the prices if I'd found more than one in a run. But if I only found one of a thing, I just have to start at like 10,000 gold and know that that's wrong and, and slowly work down. Um... Which was kind of cool, kind of fine for the first zone. But like I said, once I got into the second zone, I just don't know the world enough to know what is a worthwhile thing and what's not. And I think that a mechanic that if they if they pushed a little bit further into the popularity and, and even because like all the different dungeons are from a different culture and all the town people want different cultured items from these different cultures to decorate or do their own jobs or whatever. If they leaned into that some and the popularity was more stock markety and you had a much wider, you know, low and high for an item, but you had ways of kind of guessing at that. Like if you are selling really low and this item becomes popular and everybody wants it, now you can make, you know, a hundred percent more rather than. Or maybe, maybe even if you just could take to someone like two items and, and one of the items you have to have sold before. So you know what the price is right. and then they could tell you like, Oh, item two is worth more. Yeah, or less. Yeah. Even if it was justly that. And yeah, even if you could only know. do it once a day or something, like any of that would be fine. Um yeah. or because you can get quests and people will tell you, like, hey, if you can get three of these items in two days, I'll pay you handsomely for it or whatever. If instead right. the quest was like, I'll pay you slightly more than average, but the average price of these is this, you know, but thank you for getting them or whatever. Like you fulfill the quest and they tell you what it's worth. Fine. Just any mechanic to, to get that information out would have been really, really great. 
I don't know. It kind of it kind of breaks my heart for um, which if we lived in this time, we would not have a podcast because we there would not be the infrastructure for it. So right. I, I, how heartbroken I am, I guess I don't know, but um, it just, it, it's too bad. It's kind of like how I think that I do think that ARPGs would be more fun if there was no such thing as the internet. Yeah. And I don't mean to play with other people, but to, so that the internet couldn't min max it. Right. Like the experience you had in Diablo one, you could never have again in Diablo three because there's, I mean, you could, but it would be willfully choosing to not know what you could otherwise know. Um, but it's just, it's, it's like, because a game like this with the mechanics that they already have, if it was 1995 and you were playing this on super Nintendo, Oh, like, it'd be mind boggling. Like yeah, it actually, be... it actually has really good shop mechanics. Your shop yeah. upgrades are fun. They're useful. Um, and, and there are, the vendors can use either items. Some of them like the potion vendor, can either make you potions using the slime goops that you found for a hundred gold per potion or 375 gold without any material components. So like, mm-hmm. if you need those potions, you're paying full price, but if you've done dungeon runs, now you can get them super cheap. Um, and maybe even there's not really much that I am kind of sad that there's not turning a profit at the store there's a you can get a little bit of profit but you're better off just going into the dungeon and killing two monsters mm. like if if you could sell potions for 300 use like after crafting them and only spending 50 plus the the five copper material for making it then it would be worth it but too many of the items especially once you get to the second dungeon are worth thousands of gold each that it's you're not going to make that flipping i i looked up weapons and all of the components to craft a weapon and the blueprint was like a thousand gold and you could sell it for 1100 you're getting a hundred gold profit sure but all of that time that you spent could have been done just doing a dungeon run and you make ten thousand gold so yeah i i don't know it's like it's uh it's just it's it's funny to me to think it's like and and I get it from a game developer's perspective that it's hard to to balance because you make a game thinking that well no one will there's no need to go look at the wiki like well and even here. if you're beta testing it a wiki doesn't exist right but we've been conditioned and they're not responsible for this the no. people that made Moonlighter are not responsible and I get that but hey, as avid gamers, we've been conditioned by things like Terraria and Minecraft, and, and those are just the two easiest examples. There are many. Ark. Oh my God, play Ark. <laughs> play Ark without a wiki and tell me how that goes, please. I I, I dare you. Um, that, that it's like you condition to be like, oh, well, if it's not here, I probably just need to go look at the wiki because... Somebody's answered developed. this. Yeah, and because... Because, like, one of the beauties of game development is that we get such a variety of choice. One of the downsides is that not everything is done perfectly. Right. And not even that that's true in AAA games either. But the point just being there's a lot of things, like we just talked about with Brigador, that can be overlooked. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah. They I don't do. Know. There's I, one other thing I want to touch on on Moonlighter, which I think is really fun. Similar to Near Automata, I, I like this vein, is that. There is inventory management, so you go in with a backpack, it has like 16 slots or whatever, and or 20, 
and you have five slots for your person inventory. It is definitely much more roguelite in the essence of the dungeon's different every time. Um, there are types and difficulties of dungeon. There's three floors to every dungeon, three bosses, some secret areas, and otherwise it's like all golem dungeon, all forest dungeon, whatever. Um, but so inventory management is a thing. Uh, you get a little kind of magic mirror sort of thing that can sell an item for like 10% of its cost if you don't want to exit the dungeon while you're doing a run um, and you get more gear than you can hold. But there's also a bunch of items that are cursed and cursed items generally come out of treasure chests, which have more valuable stuff in them, but they'll have symbols on them like it can only be placed at the top or bottom of the bag. And so this forces you to kind of start Tetrising your bag around. Then you'll get other items that start going, uh, destroys the item in a random direction. And it'll show the direction. So it's like the eight cardinal directions. So it'll destroy the item to the left whenever you return to the shop. So you want to have that on the left side of your bag because now it's destroying nothing. Mm. Then you can get items that remove curses. For whenever you put them in the bag, it removes the curse in this direction, like to the lower left. So you got to kind of puzzle your inventory around and maybe remove the curse on the item that's destroying stuff because a cursed item can't be stacked with a non-cursed item of the same type. So if you have like five gold nuggets and one gold nugget that destroys things to the left, if you wipe that curse, now you can stack it. And so mm. you can start freeing, and some of them may teleport an item in the chosen direction home. If you know something looks really valuable, you might die. If you die on your run, you only keep the stuff in your first five slots. You don't keep your backpack. So mm. you want to teleport the good things home. And it just kind of adds this interesting, some of them will duplicate this item onto a stack of other items. So take a stack of worthless trash items and turn them into a stack of really expensive items. But now you're the more you do that, the harder it is to place an item in your bag. Because now you've got so many, like, this is going to duplicate that. This removes this curse. This has to be on the left. This has to be in the top. Like, and, and you start running out of free squares where nothing is going to happen uh, to put just an uncursed item. And so it, it forces you to, or you can teleport back to town. There's a couple different ways, but they're costly to do. So you've got to kind of, there's a lot of risk reward on if I die, I lose everything. If I teleport back now, all of these things become awesome. Or I can try to find another treasure chest that has some teleport stuff home items in it. Mm. And But if you don't, you essentially kind of lose them or you have to sell at 10% of what it's worth. So I think it's actually kind of fun in a game that, you know, there are a lot of games where inventory management is terrible and sucks. And this one, like, that's part of the game is a game of inventory management. It's not like you're constantly doing it. You'll get through pretty much the first floor of any dungeon if you fully clear it you'll fill your bag uh, but each floor you go down has progressively more cursed items but also better items so so i'm a little confused on the 10 percent thing because 10 percent of what value is oh, there a like, vendor so there's it's like a it's median value if you were to sell it in your shop well so then that's how you know how much to price things for kind of yeah that i don't know if it's price. exactly 10 percent, but it's a really small amount and some items if they're below a certain threshold just sell for one when you give it to the little mirror thing which of course means it's probably not worth much but again it's really just having to because you're probably not going to sacrifice an item that you only found one of ever 
Well, I guess my thought was earlier, you were like, if there was a guy you could give it to, and even if you had to give one of them to him for him to tell you, like, maybe and it's still, so, so the, one of the things that it does that it does right is that as you sell items in your shop, it'll save the faces that your customers make on that item when you look at it in your journal. Oh. So, and it'll, if you put another one of those item or a five stack or whatever into a slot to sell it, it'll save the last thing that you sold or the last price you sold it at. So mm. it automatically keeps that price. And if I've sold an item and I find that sweet spot price, every time I go to sell a stack of those items, it just says five at 250 gold. And that's it. So I don't have to enter that price manually or anything, which is awesome. And mm. it tracks the prices. So you can narrow in that price from both ends because it tracks the faces and what the prices were at. Nice. But if you're selling the item through the mirror in the dungeon, it doesn't track any of that. So I would have to, have to yeah, you would have to remember or write it down or build a spreadsheet right. or whatever. So, yeah, I, the wiki for that is I've kind of gotten over. It was really a salty taste in my mouth because I felt like I was, I pretty much just am subverting a mechanic of the game. There's some popularity which can change the price that you can sell it for, but it's not really significant enough. It's like a 1.25x price if it's popular and opposite if it's not. Which, yeah, you can make a little bit of extra gold, but at the rate I'm making money versus how quickly I'm clearing levels in the dungeons, I'm almost maxed out all of the gear in my shop, but have not beaten the second dungeon. <laughs> So they definitely well, lean to... on that side of the game. Yeah. Sorry, I talked over you. I said, welcome to Rogue Legacy, though. Oh, God, yes. Can't beat the second boss. Oh, my Lord. <laughs> if there's ever a game that made me feel like I'm not qualified to call myself a gamer, it is Rogue Legacy. Because it looks like I should be able to do it with the amount of time I've spent. Well, and trying. I know how to do it. Like, I know <laughs> the pattern of the first boss. I know it exactly. <laughs> I just can't execute. And it's not like it's some super <laughs> insane. It's just a platformer. Right. It, it is. It is and with a 15 minute speed run. Mm -hmm. And I've put hours into that game trying to maximize my gear. And nope. even with great gear and full enchants, it doesn't matter. I'm not getting that second boss. I think I've shared this before on the pod as well. But the most disappointing slash, I mean, it, it, to be clear, good on them. But the most, like, uh, maybe not disappointing isn't the right word, shaming, <laughs> shaming uh, speed run I've ever seen is getting over it with Bennett Foddy. Yes. Because those people speed run that whole thing in, like, 90 seconds or a minute or something, and they get all the way up to mm -hmm. the moon or whatever it ends, and it's like, are you kidding? Like, I, when I watched this, I watched the speed run before I ever played it. Right. I had no idea how it worked. Oh. I was like, this game looks a lot easier than people make it out to be. I'm not really sure. And then played for like two hours, which I got somewhere, but netted. The net result was me at the very beginning yes. again when I was like, I'm done. I'm done with you for now, Bennett Foddy. I won't get over it and I won't listen to you make snarky British comments at me anymore either. So, so how about that? I recently discovered meme runs, which <laughs> are speed runs, but just have for a meme okay. um one of them is like longest uh speed or longest run through getting over it which i think the current record is something like 48 hours oh my god well just... i can show them 
I, I can set a record then if this is what we're doing. This is like when I was a kid, when I first started driving, people would like pull up at stoplights and like rev their engine mm-hmm. and race or something. I always reverse raced people without acknowledging it to them. But so when the light turns green, I don't care if I actually have to come to a complete stop in the middle of the intersection. I will not beat you through this green light. I will anti-race every time. Now, again, they don't know we're anti-racing, but I know that I have a very, very good win. Right. Anyway. There's like there's also like ban percent for Club Penguin. Like how fat, like starting at the moment you open your browser, having to like create an email account and log into Club Penguin and get banned. Like, oh. <laughs> so there's a lot, and there's some for like Legend of Zelda and stuff that require certain tricks to be made to, there's dank percent, which is you somehow play the the ocarina, but in, it shows the playing animation, but you can hold any other item. And if you hold the torch, he like holds the torch sideways to his mouth and it looks like oh, he's smoking wow. a cigarette. Like, so there's, and there's just tons of these. Apparently there's, there's nipples percent for Mario galaxy, which is just getting the, the swimming trunks, which shows him topless. And it's like a 30 minute speed run. <laughs> like, why internet why like, meme, meme running apparently why it's a thing exist? so guess i choose to. <laughs> um so what about so, you what else do you got yeah um so final game i'll talk about this week um i actually picked didn't pick up but reloaded into uh borderlands 3 oh yeah uh, borderlands 3 has had a couple of dlcs that have come out i did also pick up the season pass um, which I say shamefully, I know. Ooh. Um, but honestly, Borderlands Three has uh, fixed a lot of the performance issues that plagued it when it launched. Nice. Uh, that I personally, at least, had a lot of problems with. Um, all of that's gone. They've completely overhauled their mayhem system, and are actually still. There's another major patch that's supposed to come out that will overhaul it even further. To what extent, I'm not sure. I haven't gone through and memorized those path notes yet but um but yeah i don't know i just it it, you and i played borderlands a lot we gushed over it we loved it and then i think we both were just kind of burned out on it um because we we literally just played it every day after work yeah we know life did a little bit and yeah um anyway and so there was I wasn't eager to go back, but it was like, when I would think about it, it's like, but I didn't dislike anything about the game, really. So I don't know why I'm not interested in going back. So I booted it up, and yeah, it's actually just a... a, a it's still really great. Like, it, I, I, and I know this was our... probably the biggest point that we made about it when we talked about it as it launched, but I just love how unapologetically Borderlands it is. Mm-hmm. Um, I've played a lot of other shooters, and... There's just nothing else that feels like Borderlands. And I love the art style. Like, oh, I love the art style so much in that game. Um, Yeah, really cool. I've only checked out one of the DLCs so far. You go back to Handsome Jack's Casino. But that's lovely because it's Handsome Jack, which is always treat. him back in. (laughs) Probably one of my, honestly, and I don't think I've ever really thought about it, but probably one of my all-time favorite video game villains, actually. Because... He is truly evil oh, and yeah. cold, but like also does still manage to be like endearing, charming, yeah, charming. Yeah, yeah. like you, 
you look forward to hearing his lines. Yeah. <laughs> Where it, like I think that I think that is a difference between two and three is I don't think I think they, they certainly tried and, and and you know attempted, but the villains in Borderlands three do not reach the level of Handsome Jack. At like, least not for our age group. That may be fair. That may maybe that's maybe that is a, a bigger part of it. I don't know. I mean, I I, I appreciate the streaming jokes and stuff they right. do, and I I I, I don't know so if it's not like hit I get... harder if I was five years younger. Maybe yeah, I don't. I don't know. know. Maybe I just I just also think that like I think the difference is that they don't they don't really have any charm. Yeah, like the parts where they're supposed to be charming, which maybe this is what you're speaking to. I just find them really annoying. Right. But maybe that's the age difference part of it. <laughs> They're starting something. to get, get off my lawn sort of stuff. Like, get out of here, <laughs> villains. <laughs> Whereas, like, Handsome Jack, like, I don't know. There's just... And, and, and the thing is, is they even go for some of the same jokes where, like, Handsome Jack, there's one part in Borderlands 2 where he's, like, he's, like, laughing and telling a story. And he's like, and so then... I blew his family away right in front of his eyes. Can you believe this guy? And like, he's like, it's like a casual fishing right. story or something. It's like, what? Like, that's so messed up. And they even try and do that same basic joke formula mm-hmm. again. It just, it just doesn't, land. doesn't land the same. I mean, nothing yeah. beats handsome Jack talking about like scooping out a spy's eyeball with a spoon while just audibly eating cereal. Like crunching, yeah. like just mm, um, um, have you had some of this? Is it great? Do you need some? <laughs> Bring me some more of this. Yeah, so anyway, and like it's just yeah. so nonchalant about it. It is really good. Yeah, yeah, you hit me up to play Borderlands 3 and I had just uh, uninstalled recently because it had been hogging up hard drive space and GTA 5 yeah. is a also hard drive hog and all games now. Yeah, I think the king of the castle right now is Call of Duty Warzone, which I no longer have installed. Um, but I think a friend said the other day it's like 170 gigs. God. Like, <laughs> well, and one of, I don't know what one of them came out recently with like some 85 gig patch. There's it Warzone. wasn't Warzone, and like to the point where the company is investigating why the patch was so big. I'm like, how did you not like? You don't investigate this after the fact. Like, oh, we didn't know it was an 85 gig patch. Like, right? Yeah. No, it's. It's shocking how big it is. Although I will say a game where I saw that trend reverse, actually World of Warcraft, it used to continually get more and more massive. Right. And eventually they actually shrunk that footprint down. So it can be I don't know. It can be, and hopefully more games do it because oh. some of this stuff is crazy. Yeah. Like <laughs> a fifth of a terabyte? Yeah. Are you <laughs> Oh, maybe that's my age showing as well. You, you know? Well, I mean, I remember when kilobytes were. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna dive down that rabbit hole. <laughs> we backed up on tape drives. Three hours of whirring, screeching tape drive for a hundred megs. Twelve floppies, like. <laughs> yep. But I mean, it's just, like my laptop com- gaming computer for those that'll allow me to call it that. Uh, I mean, I've got like a 250 gig solid state and like a 500 gig like main drive. You're done. Yeah, I'm not, <laughs> I don't get more than two games on there. Ooh, so. No. Yeah, you're finished. Um, but yeah, anyway, Borderlands 3, uh, it's now on Steam now. So for anyone who was super anti-Epic Store account, uh, 
Shame on you, because they actually do a lot of good free game giveaways. Yeah, if anything just else, just put, stick it to the man and get your free game a week, because they're they're yeah. good games. Yeah, I mean, this last week was Ark. Yep. Like, they've had Civ 6 on. Like, yeah. That yeah, was just higher. So. Um, so, yeah. But anyway, if you're anti-Epic, I don't care to talk about it, so don't at me. Uh, <laughs> or, however, because we could use <laughs> no one asks us. No one asks us. So just add us with your hate mail, and we will love it. <laughs> for at least two weeks. Week three, I'm back yeah. over it. But for two weeks, at PUYS Pod on Twitter, just send us your hate mail. <laughs> we will be ecstatic to read it. <laughs> oh, brilliant. Brilliant. Uh, but yeah, uh, that was all I think I really wanted to, to cover for this week. Uh, anything else you wanted to, to discuss? Um, no, like I said, I think I, fe- I think that I have been... It's actually been difficult to go back and forth between Archero and Moonlighter because as far as like the action RPG side of it, they're both... They both f- fill the same... Like, scratch the same itch in very different ways. Mm, but, right. you know, if I'm playing like Brigador or something, or even just, you know, whatever GTA five. And I go out on a lunch break or something and pull our chair up on my phone. It's a different game. Uh, yeah. But this, they're very, they're close enough that it's like, man, if our just had a shop mechanic built into it, they could squeeze the lemon out of that game real hard too. But um, no, Moonlighter is not a mobile game. It's a, it's a good solid game. I've, I'm enjoying it. I probably will reluctantly beat it because now I'm halfway through the dungeons, but I don't mm. feel like I'm going to gain. I'm not going to get anything else out of the selling side mechanic because that gameplay loop I've already pretty much pushed to the limit as far as I can tell. It's just going to be new prices on new things. All of the other perks and bonuses that I can get for the shop don't really seem. Like, oh, the shop stays open 10% longer or customers move mm. 10% faster. I'm like, nope, I just want the one that gets 20% tip for every purchase because that's the only thing that matters. Um, <laughs> someday, I, I I I feel like I just have to make the game where you're not the hero. Um, yeah, yeah, I don't know. Maybe we'll keep doing the pod and people will hear it and maybe some aspiring developer will, will be willing to work with you. If you want to because... hire a game producer... For like free like, yeah like if, if you need a director <laughs> right here you're good at art you could do some art i, could do some. I actually did a lot of the items i had a lot of items yeah you know, see scratched you out go. yeah i could do some art if, you, you, could, go, if you could code a raise and you're willing to listen to instruction and give give up your dream for mine then <laughs> let me know i can also insert myself into that interaction and play middleman so yeah. uh really whoever pays me more is whose team i'm on you know what i mean so hook me up no i think that's about it for what i played this week cool so that's all for our episode today follow us on twitter to join the discussion share your thoughts or catch our stream times if you enjoy the show tell a friend and help us keep growing our audience you can also join us on discord and in our steam group all of the links are available in the show notes If you want any more of my insights on pretty much everything in life not related to gaming, check out my other podcast, The Walk Show, which is available everywhere podcasts are found. Hey! 
NFL fans, Dak Prescott here. Want to spend Sunday afternoons with your favorite teams and players? Switch to DirecTV and get NFL Sunday ticket included at no extra cost. I'm talking every live out-of-market game every Sunday, no matter where you live. So switch to DirecTV to get the 2020 NFL Sunday ticket season included at no extra cost. Call 1-800-DIRECTV. Out-of-market games only. Requires choice package or above. Minimum $74.99 a month before discounts. Prices higher in second year. Regional sports fee up to $9.99 a month. Plus, 24-month agreement, activation, other fees, terms, and restrictions apply.